to Yahweh, our Elohim. This request is so reasonable. If you know the historical context, it's like astounding how reasonable this request is. This is a custom in the Egyptian culture whereby a slave could request to his master to descend out into the wilderness a three days journey to make offerings and sacrifices and worship of their God. This was something that people did all the time. It was a custom of the culture. Look what God's doing. This is, this is I am. This is the sovereign one. And he's saying the first thing I want you to do in terms of dealing with the Egyptians, with your oppressors, and go and ask them for something that's within the context of their culture. Completely reasonable. Done all the time. Not, out, not extraordinary. He didn't, he didn't say go in there and demand that you let my people go now because Yahweh, is, 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 this is who he is. No, that's not what he first did. He first goes humbly, working within the context of culture of the time and making a reasonable request to Pharaoh. That is astounding. You talk about the humility of Jesus. You talk about the meekness that he calls his believers to be. Not abrasive at first go. Not, well, I want my rights. I'm going to have my way this way. and It's my way or the highway in the, in the, in the first engagement with culture on something where there's some tension. No, look what he does. He asks a reasonable, even humble request. He tells them to go and make this request to Pharaoh. I think this speaks to the heart of God. He doesn't need, to, he doesn't need a, a, a hammer all the time. He, he wants to, to go in gently and humbly, and he tells his people to do that. But of course, he knows, he knows what's going to happen. Verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Pharaoh's heart was such that he would have to be compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egypt, strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. He will let you go. It's amazing. He says, I have a strong right hand. I have a strong right hand. I will go and I will do this. Not only do we have a God who makes promises to us, but we have a God who can carry those promises out and will carry those promises out. And then look what he says, verse 21. This is amazing. And I will give this people favor in the sights of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. God is going to not only redeem and rescue his people, he's going to provide for them. He's going to provide everything that they need. He's thought of everything. It's like that master planner or that, that master uh, writer who is weaving all these stories together and you're, you don't know where it's going to end up and how it's all going to fit and at the end it crescendos and everything falls into place and this this storyline meets the needs of this storyline and this storyline meets the needs of this one and it's this beautiful tapestry. That's nothing compared to actual what God is doing in, in, in this story 
He's, he's weaving everything together. He's, he's accounting for everything. There's nothing that he is going to do. There's no need that he's not going to meet in the lives of his people. This is, this is the God that we worship. He's not only going to redeem them, he's going to meet all of their practical needs. He's going to use the Egyptians, these, these slaves for 400 years, slaves, impoverished. He's not just going to send them out of Egypt. No, no, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna give them what they need, and he's going to give them favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. This crazy, this crazy um, um, situation that he's going to orchestrate, and that they leave with, with the practical material needs that they, that they need met. Yet he is going to define what those needs are. And he does in our text. Something else I want us to look at as we circle back. Not only is I am related to kind of the things that we've discussed, but there's also another, um, there's also something else that's intimated in, in God's name, I am. There's a sense in which he, he's saying, I will be who I will be. I will be who I will be. Also inherent in the idea behind the name is this sense that God is the becoming one. God becomes whatever is lacking in our time of need. It is, it is a name that invites us to, in a sense, fill in the blank. And he will be the one who meets that need. He's the one who defines what our needs are. He's the one who defines who he is, but he will meet those needs. God's name, again, is announcement and it an invitation to, to come and experience his name, to come and experience his presence in our lives, to taste and to see that he is good. You know, there's, there's two responses that are, that are given to us by God to Moses. He tells us how the elders are going to respond. They're going to believe him. And he tells us how Pharaoh is going to respond. He's going to say no, and he's not going to say yes until I compel him. But he doesn't tell us how the people are going to respond. That first task that he gave Moses to go to the people and say, I am sent me to you. The God of our, your father sent me. The God who made the promises sent me. I think it's curious that God doesn't tell Moses how the people are going to respond. Very curious. You know, it's a, uh, you see the story, I think you can make some accurate inferences on why that is based on how the people will behave. I mean, just not several chapters from here, they'll leave Egypt and they'll arrive back at this mountain, just like God said they would. But when they arrive, they would want to be not around God at all. <laughs> they'd be terrified of him. His, his presence would descend upon the mountain. They'd be terrified. They'd send Moses up, go. We don't... We, we don't want anything to do with that. And we see over and over again throughout the wilderness, they'd wander around faceless, stiff-necked people, not trusting in God. God will be there in their presence day by night. He'd provide for their needs over and over again, but they would continue to be stiff-necked, continue to be faceless. There's something more that needed to happen. They needed more than just to know God's name as I am. They needed more to just be reminded that he was the God of their fathers, the one who made promises. They needed more than even to see him deliver them out of Egypt. We'll find that God was not done disclosing who he was through his name. 
the people, we, me and you, we needed a new heart. We needed a heart of stone to be replaced with a heart of flesh. We needed to be filled with God's spirit in order for us to maintain and persist and endure in trusting in him. You know, Jesus would stand up one day and he'd be in the temple and he'd be sparring with the, with the Pharisees and he would tell them, they'd say, well, who are you? Who, who, who do you have? How do you have authority to say the things that you say? And he, and he would say to them, before Abraham was, I am. I am. He would, he would take on that title onto himself. And so the name I am would, would, would become such, it almost like break open in Jesus. And we'd be able to see inside of that name. And we would see that there's three names inside of that name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we needed to know that revelation. Because that revelation is what was necessary to change our hearts. Lest we be like the Israelites wandering in the wilderness until we die. Even with God's presence in our midst. Jesus would seven times use that phrase, I am. Seven times. And each one would be a metaphor that would describe all that he would do for his people to save them. All the functions he would play. All the roles he would play. He says, you are in darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You are hungry. He says, I am your bread of life. You feel defenseless. You think, will anybody ever come to my aid? Will anybody ever take care of me? He says, I am your good shepherd. You struggle with sin terribly. He says, I will sanctify you. You're at the end of your rope. You're, you're weary. You're tired. You're, you're in the pit of despair. You come on Sundays and you barely are even here because of the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders. He says, I will sustain you. I will ensure that you endure until the end. You wonder if there's any hope for you. All those wounds, all the wounds people have done to you, the wounds from your own sin, they, they follow you into the present. You say, he says, I will heal you. You say, can anybody calm the raging of the storms, the stormy waters of my heart, the anxiousness of my heart? Will I ever find rest? He says, I will be your peace. You say, is there anybody I can really trust? I mean, really? Under heaven, is there anybody I can trust? I can be myself with? I can trust that they'll receive me? He says, I will love you. I will love you. And I will never leave you. He's the becoming one. He is the becoming one. The one who will meet all the needs of his people. We see that in our text. We see that in the studying of his name, that he will meet our needs. And he ultimately would do that by disclosing a new name to his people, the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the God 
This is our God. This is the only hope that we have. But again, he invites us to experience this. He invites us to experience this. It's one thing for him to say these things to us this morning. It's a whole other thing for us to actually experience this in our lives. Experience him as the becoming one. So what I want to do is I want to I want to close our time with reading uh, from a journal. Um, this is a journal of a of a missionary, and uh, he was leading an, an organization that supported missionaries, and. Uh, they went through a real tough time in their ministry where they didn't have months and months went by of dryness in terms of funds. And he felt they felt a prohibition from 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 disclosing their great need with anybody. And, and they felt that God was calling them him to write, to write of the experience of how God was going to provide for them in their greatest time of need. So I want to read that as an illustration of the necessity for us to engage in this life with a mindset that we want to experience God's presence. We want to experience God being the becoming one in our lives, that our courage might be strengthened, that our faith might be revived. If that's you this morning, hear, this, hear these words that our God is still active in our stories. He's revealing himself through our stories. We need to be sharing our stories. That's why we're such a people at this church that love to tell the stories of what God is doing. Since June, we have lived every day from hand to mouth. Several times, John, Darren, and I have gone without taking a salary. In spite of this hardship, all the men and the women in the field have received their support without exception. And we in the United States have never lacked food or sufficient funds to pay our bills. Praise God for his faithfulness. I now sit in my office, it is 9 a.m., and I begin to write to you the account of our struggles and the faithfulness of God. It is mid-month and none of our workers have been paid. Darren and I have passed another week without making a salary. November 21st. On Wednesday the 19th, $3,317 was deposited. After paying certain bills that were due, we remained with $2,638. On Thursday, we received $1,247. Today, we received 350 in the mail. $1,300 came through an anonymous donor who left the money on my truck. And $100 was given to, my, to by a staff member. This leaves us with a total of $5,635. We will not pay the U.S. staff this week since not a single member on the field has been paid. Never has there been such a lack in the mission. November 24th. I came to the office this morning and Darren informed me that there were certain expenses totaling $1,494 that were paid last week that were not recorded. Therefore, we begin the day with $3,640 instead of $5,635. This was a great discouragement. But we have regained our composure and looked to God once again. This is Gideon's call. This army is too large. All human possibility has to be destroyed so that the victory would be ascribed to God alone. God has taken away from us even the little strength we thought we had. We have nothing to hope but him. We have seven days before the end of the month and not a single missionary has been paid. Mission giving usually goes down in December because of the Christmas holidays. We have no reason to hope at all in the flesh. God alone can save us. 
self-pity, resentment, and grumbling are all at the door in their desires to have us. I pray that God might give us grace to overcome, and I am looking forward to deliverance. We will call a prayer meeting in a few minutes. We drew great strength from our morning prayers, but gathered together at lunch for the same. By his good spirit, we were encouraged to trust in the Lord. I felt peace that this would not be our end, but God would be our helper in the final hour. Our greatest desire is for God to make a name for himself through our inability. At 4.15, I went to the mailbox and was excited to find it full of envelopes. I soon discovered that only one was for heart cry. It was from a donor I did not recognize. I opened the envelopes expecting a donation of $25 or $50, but to my surprise, it was a check for $3,000. I let out an audible shout for joy while still in the churchyard. I met with Darren and John for prayers of thanksgiving to our God who has helped us this day. The first thing tomorrow morning, we will set about paying the missionaries for Peru, in Peru. It matters little to us that we still lack funds to pay missionaries in 14 countries. God has helped us today and given us hope to trust in him. November 25th, we deposited $6,857 in our account today, which gives us a total of 7497 We wired the support to missionaries in Peru, paid our phone bills, and have a remainder of $180. Even though we do not have the necessary funds to finish out the month, we saw the need to take on two or three more missionaries in Peru and help some of our veteran missionaries with their very special needs. Much time has passed since we last took on new missionaries in Peru, but in our greatest hour of need, God leads us to believe him for more missionaries. God always seems to ask more from us when we have less to give so that his great supply and loving kindness might be revealed to us. I just received the mail in the mailbox. There was not one letter for heart cry. We must continue to wait for God's deliverance. We will pray with, when Darren returns from sending the money to Peru. We have nothing but his presence, but that is enough. Today our staff celebrated Thanksgiving together, and we had much to be thankful for on November 26th. This morning, Darren, John, and I gathered for prayer. It was one of the best moments of prayer we had ever had. I felt led that God would send someone to us before the mail arrived who would give a gift to the mission. At midday, a brother from Kentucky came to the office and gave $15. It was a great confirmation to all of us that God had heard our prayers and that he was with us. At 1.30, we met again for a time of prayer. I felt a great impression that God was asking someone somewhere to do something. And whether out of fear or lack of faith, they were struggling with submitting to the Lord. After a time of prayer, the burden was lifted. The staff will miss another paycheck this week, but we have food and our bills are paid. Like the oil in the widow's jar, God has stretched our resources and kept the destroyer at bay. We will meet again at 3 p.m. for prayer. Praise God for the privilege he has granted us. Yesterday was Thanksgiving and the mail was not delivered. Today, I knew that we would receive two days worth of mail and support. I was hoping there would be more support because of this. We received $175. We now have $185 in hand. We need 60 times that amount just to pay our men in the field for this month. We have two more days. We must take guard against doubt, despair, and self-pity. Tomorrow is another day, and we will look to God. November 29th, $220 arrived in the mail today. We now have a total of $405. Tomorrow is Sunday, and there will be no mail. Monday is the 1st of December. Most missionaries have not been paid, and the staff has only been paid twice during the entire month. We are in dire straits. 
We have made our need known to no one. We wait on the Lord. Our greatest interest is his glory. I cannot see how our fall would bring encouragement to the saints, but I do see how it would justify the carnal. They will say we are foolish and proud to believe that a ministry could prosper without making its needs known to anyone but God. Many young believers have been encouraged to trust God because of their dealings with us. It would have been better to have never started than to be the cause of their unbelief. God, we deserve to fail, but please do not let us fail. Your glory is at stake. Oh God, please get a name for yourself. I preached at the Mexican mission this morning, November 30th, but once again they forgot to give the promised support of gas money. I was informed this evening that someone gave $150 to the mission in the morning service. We now have $555. Tomorrow is the 1st of December, and we have yet to pay most of the men for November. This has happened only a few times in the history of the mission, and never when the amount needed was so great. I can barely, hardly bear to ask the staff to go another week without their salaries. I know that they would do so, and they do so joyfully. We are in the greatest need since our beginning. We will wait upon the Lord and see what tomorrow will bring. We have no reason to hope in the flesh. If help comes, it will come from the Lord. I spoke with my pastor today. He knows all of our troubles and will cut off his right arm to help us. He knows the Lord has pressed upon us a prohibition to make our needs known to anyone, even to our own church. And I know that every person in our church would come to our aid if they knew of such a problem. I know, even know people around the country that would come and gladly give everything that we need with one donation. But the purpose of our mission is to depend on the Lord alone. He is our patron. If he wants this mission to continue, he is faithful and able to let his people know. If he does not help us, then we should not be helped. Although we recognize that God has had his hand upon us, we know that he does not need us. If the Heart Cry Missionary Society perishes tomorrow, it will not hinder God's great work on the earth. December 1st. I was thinking about how the mission where I preached on Sunday had failed to provide the promised gas money for the last three weeks. They are wonderful believers and would do all in their power to help me. It seems that the Lord has made them forget. He is drying up every well dug by human hands, but he alone will be our fountain. I feel like Hagar. She and her boy were sent away because she was, he was not a child of the covenant. When the water that she was carrying was gone, she laid her boy under a bush and sat a bow shot away because she could not bear to watch him die. I do not feel God's presence. I feel like I have been sent into the desert as one who is not a child of the promise. All our resources are spent. I want to lay the mission down and run away. I cannot bear to see it die. Satan tempts me to anger and grumbling. But who am I to speak a word against the Lord? I have not been worthy of even the least of all his mercies he has shown me throughout my years. Even if he slays me, even if he abandons me to hell, even then he'd be worthy of praise. He has already done more for me than I could ever deserve in a thousand lifetimes. I will trust in him regardless of the outcome. I know these things. God is good. He is wise. He's powerful. And our circumstances are not a result of some defect in God. This trial is ordained with perfect wisdom by an absolutely sovereign God who has promised to do good for us for the sake of Christ. He works all things together for our good, even this. The story of Hagar and Ishmael ends in a great salvation brought by God. 
And if he opened a fountain in the desert for an idolatrous pagan whose child would one day grow up to be a persecutor of his people, how much more will he help us, his children? Although there are many daily tasks to be accomplished today, my priority will be to pray and wait upon the Lord. Number seven, today was a good day. Our families came to church to take pictures for the December issue of Heart Cry. We were filled with joy to watch our children and play with them. How the Lord has blessed us. I went to the mailbox today and found envelopes containing $612. I had hoped to send support to more men today, but it was not God's will. We met this morning to pray and discuss with the Lord what the Lord would do with us. We know that we are able to always trust him. We do not know what, we, what he would have us do. Since John is not a U.S. citizen, he must continue to be supported by the mission. Aaron and I have the possibility to look for work elsewhere. We determine to wait upon the Lord until the end of the week. If funds do not come, then we will look for work. We prayed. John was the last to pray. At the end of his prayer, he asked the Lord to open Gabi's womb that she might conceive. He no sooner closed his prayer with amen than Gabi came into the door with tears in her eyes, announcing that the doctor had said she was pregnant. What a tremendous blessing. The news could not have come at a better time for two reasons. First, it showed that God answers prayer. Second, John's financial resources are almost depleted. Yet now, his financial needs will be even greater. What an opportunity for God to get a name for himself. December 3rd. This morning, my wife, Chato, called about medical bills for our son, Evan. To our astonishment, they have been all been paid by somebody who wished to remain anonymous. We had told no one of our bills. We do not have the faintest idea who God used to bless us. It is a great encouragement for all of us at the mission. God is able to tell others of our needs. I went to the mailbox today and was blessed by the Lord's kindness. The donations totaled $2,500, and we now have $3,100 for our missionaries. One dear family that sponsored us for years with $1,000 a month sent $2,000 for November and December. This is not the first time the Lord has directed them to give when it was most needed. Another blessing came from the Mexican mission. They had not given any gas money for three weeks, and they sent $150, which was given to the mission. At 5 p.m., Darren left to make a deposit. We were able, by God's good grace, to mail support to Benign, Ghana, and Nigeria. December 5th. This morning, I went to the doctor for blood work. It seems I'm going to have to have more operations. We were greatly blessed today. The Lord provided $2,700 through the mail, and someone gave John $20, which he gave to the mission. Our total is $3,100. Darren was able to send the support to Zambia. We closed the day with $1,700. We lack nearly $4,700 to pay missionaries in Romania. Darren, John, and I will not get paid again this week, but the Lord has seen our need. A dear family in the church sent groceries to the office today and gave each of us a Walmart gift card to buy more groceries. In the end, we will, be more, we will have more supplies in our home than we would if we had been paid our salaries. God never has given us reason to doubt his character or his promises. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or the descendants begging for bread. What grace. He declares the wicked righteous by the blood of his son, and he prepares good deeds for them by his sovereign will. He empowers them by his spirit, and then he rewards them for what they have done as though they had done it. What grace. What marvelous grace. 
and such grace we will wait upon him. I would rather be a beggar in the courts of God than to sit in the seats of the mighty in the greatest halls of this present age. I would be the weakest of all his children, that I might see a greater portion of his grace. I would be the most incompetent, that I might see a greater measure of his strength. I would be the most helpless, that his strong right arm might carry me. I would be the most destitute, that his right hand might feed me. December 9th, only two checks came today for $50 and the other for 4000 Praise God. He gives us, which gives us a total of $8,700. After paying Romania and several other bills due, we were left with $644. And all the support for November has been paid. December 10th, we received a total of $3,000 today. December 12th, we received $1,000. We end the day with $5,000 in the bank. December 16th, $1,900 came in today through the mail. December 21st, $1,200 came in through donations in Sunday's mail, and $1,500 came in the mail today. December 28th, $13,311 came in the mail. We paid everyone for the month of December, and we have $6,000 in surplus. We can trust him. We can trust him. And we build up that trust through our experience with him. Sharing stories like this, recounting the, the conquest of his grace in our lives. That's how he works. That's how he works to revive our faith and give us the courage to face each day. Let's pray.